Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How you doing? I am doing pretty well. Getting Excellent. getting ready like everyone for the holidays, but uh-huh. chipping away. It'll get done. Yourself? You still... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's been... Uh, <laughs> It's been an interesting week since my visit at the Emerald Cup. Um, I've been trying out a few new products to try and help with my nerve pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I went to a festival of all things cannabis over the weekend. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was my first time ever at the event, sort of naturally. Uh, I have no idea how long it's been going. I really didn't know what to expect. I went based on what I've been reading about the increasing sophistication of products using the compound cannabidiol, better known as CBD, right? Mm -hmm. It was a reasonably trippy gathering for me. Uh, I saw more dreadlocks there than I have since I last visited Jamaica. I believe that. (laughs) Um, There are some cannabis brands that you can tell are funded by huge money because... Okay, so there was one there that presented this sleek black and gold booth. It looked like something straight out of a Las Vegas nightclub. Plus, they had booth babes and skin tight whatever. Uh, (laughs) It's still a thing. It's it's a thing in every industry anyway. (laughs) Well, it was so comical because it was completely out of step with this population. Uh, Yeah. I'd get to, I did get to have a couple of Was it a really European interest- brand? Sorry to interrupt you. No idea. Okay, because the Euro's I, I, still I like it. the booth babes quite a bit. But it could, yeah, you know, I can't, I curious. I can't imagine. I mean, I it's know. cannabis. Are there any <laughs> European cannabis? Co- I don't know. I just don't even I don't think know. so. Yeah. But I got to have some really interesting conversations. What I learned about what's going on with CBD mm-hmm. at this point is that there are companies producing tinctures and topicals. It's becoming its own segment of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found is that they're really starting to tune these more and more for very specific results uh, with the addition of particular terpenes, mm-hmm. which are organic compounds found in many plants like conifers and citrus trees. Lavender, that's one. Huh? Uh they are able to target particular outcomes like pain relief or sleep Mm -hmm. or reducing agitation in the anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to quickly add that I'm a fan of Western medicine. Okay. I have no problem with, you know, lots of, lots of things that Western medicine has come up with. If you're broke, they fix you very well. Second to none. Western medicine. If you are broke, they fix you very well. Yeah. I'm completely on board with that. But I'm also aware that there are some places where our go-to answers 
haven't always resulted in the best outcomes. Yep. Particularly some of the sleep medications <laughs> and some yes. of the pain medications. Yes. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's enough to see those bad outcomes. But really, the thing for me is I need to be able to work, <laughs> to do my mm-hmm. job with a clear head. Yep. And the pain that I get in my shoulder, it's just got awful. Uh, I, I mean, I can't do anything comfortably when I'm actively in pain hmm. and, you know, it certainly affects my writing, but I don't want to have to choose uh, between being in pain and, you know, being whacked out from some opioid. Right, right, right. And I, opioids will whack me out. I can't mm-hmm. really function that way. So CBD for me has offered a pretty incredible alternative and, I dropped, I don't know, almost 200 bucks there this week. Oh, easily, easily. I mean, that's, I think that's a little bit of the downside of this stuff is that it is so expensive and I'm not 100% sure why. I mean, is it because of the, I I don't know, you tell me, maybe you learned something there. I don't. Well, I mean, I got several different products and they'll last me for quite some time. And if I didn't currently have like a really great plan with a really stunningly good copay, mm-hmm. I sort of expect this is about what I would pay for Western medicines through a, a garden variety plan. Hmm. Okay. Right, that's so, fair. Um, yeah. And I mean, if I, you know, if I were to go get another, uh, another doctor recommendation, I could save a little money when I go to dispensaries around here. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of that. Yeah. But the, the bonus you pay for not having to spend the money to see the doctor, it, I consider it kind of a wash. This isn't stuff I shop for every single month. Right, right. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, cool. let's jump into what you're up to. What's your pull this week? My pull in time for the solstice, which is tomorrow, um, is going to be winter riding. Because, mm. yeah, because winter starts tomorrow. Right? Or at least the day. Yeah. yeah, tomorrow night. It's the solstice tomorrow. So it is a lovely thing because it's the shortest day of the year. Yay! Because as you can see, it's very dark out my window and the light will start returning, yeah. which will be amazing. Um, anyway, I really I actually like talking about winter riding. And, um, you know, t- to be clear, I prefer summer riding. Because it is so, <laughs> just just so I'm abundantly clear, because it is so much easier to get out the door, if nothing else, right? It's like jersey, short, shoes, done. Out the door. You know, winter is more like base layer one, base layer two, jersey and or jacket, or jersey and jacket, gloves, socks, shoes, shoe covers, cap, be- or beanie, uh, it's a whole, it's a mission, right? You know, I've gotten very yep. good at stepping out of my porch and, you know, knowing in an instant, like, what combination of that stuff to put on, but I still have to put it on, right? It's still kind of a, it's still kind of a mission to get dressed. And some days, like today, and maybe a lot of days, the forecast is a little wrong. And, you know, you're out 15 miles somewhere, and it's a 39-degree day, and it starts raining. And that's, you know, that's oh. fine. That's fine. <laughs> Today I managed. That's not the word I would use. But uh, continue. Yeah, you have to you have to self talk really well, Patrick. But um, it, it, my water resistant clothes because I, I did I knew it was at least going to be damp with a chance. I thought it would maybe mist. It actually just rained. It rained two hours easily, maybe four hours ahead of time. But anyway, um, 
the, the water resistance stuff did not give up the ghost until I was back in town. So I really was only uncomfortable for a couple of miles, you know, and then it was just like a eh, head down and, and it's fine. But um, one of our, you know, we've been uh, fielding requests from listeners for topics of conversation. And one of our listeners, uh, Dave, asked about single speeding, which is not necessarily a winter riding topic, but... Uh, I personally was wondering if either of us single speeded, and I said that I do, and it's it's actually mm-hmm. something I do more of in uh, these kind of months, like sloppy weather, winter time. I think it's a, a great form of riding during the winter because honestly, the simpler the bike, the better. Uh, when it's when it's sloppy, the pulleys and derailleurs can freeze. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if you've ever. Had this happen, but I will confess on this show, because I did blog about it uh, a few years back, that one of my darkest moments was when we were out, we were in out Michaud Forest, which is like, it's out there in the state game lands, right? Like, it, there's nothing out there. You can get in, in parts of Pennsylvania where there's truly nothing, including cell service. There's nothing. Um, and we were on a mountain bike ride. It was. It might have even been January. It was. It was winter, um, but it was like a pretty nice day. It was pretty, and we're like, oh, we'll just go. And the snow was crunchy, and we we kind of it got longer than we planned, and we were out there almost five hours, and it, like people were starting to come undone. So we're like about five miles out. Like the sun had started to thaw the fire roads that we were trying to get back on just enough that the spray was kicking up. So it was like mud slush spray, <laughs> and it was. Freezing everything solid. It froze my cassette. It froze my derailleurs. It froze my pulley. I was trying to pedal through it, but I didn't want to break my chain because then all of a sudden, now we're now we got real problems, right? So, right. Um, so I had I had to stop and address things. And uh, do you know what I had to do, Patrick, to address that? I, I'm gonna guess. Uh, did it involve dropping trowel? Yes, I had to pee on my bike, yep. <laughs> which um, which is not an easy feat for females. I will leave it right there. Um, it's not. Yeah. Aim is hard. It's like a giraffe going <laughs> to, to the water hole. But anyway, um, single speeding eliminates that. Like you can just right. get on your bike and you don't have those parts. And it's also more of a full body kind of engagement. You know, you're out of the saddle, you're, you're working the bike. I think it's kind of in the right terrain. It's fun because, you know, you're just, it is so engaging and uh, you have to sort of think about your approach to the rock gardens and, and climbs and such. Out here, I run a 3219 because we don't have much flat, you know, so I need that a little bit of a climbing gear. So I'm not just fried. But uh, yeah, I mean, this the, the listener likes his gravel single speed bike. I don't do that quite as much, but uh, I am a big fan of single speed uh, mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Um, fat biking is an option. Uh, I don't do as much of it here as people think that I would do just because we don't have the right snow. Like people have think that fat bikes are like magical snow hovercraft machines and, <laughs> and, and they're not, you know, when I got mine, I had high hopes that it would be a magical hovercraft machine too, but they are, they're so finicky. They're like thoroughbred horses or something. Like the snow has to be like groomed and just crunchy enough and just deep enough. Or, you know, you're like slipping and you're sinking. And it's uh, like a lot out here is too slushy, too soft, too deep. You know, it's just not the right snow, too, too icy, too often. So, so say there was a snowmobile trail near yes. you. Yes. Is that is it, that workable? Or? It is. It is workable. 
to a point so that it can be perfect and when it's perfect like 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 the groom trails that they have in like Michigan and and out west it's delightful but the problem here is the weather we're just in the middle atlantic we're we're just on that line where things are variable. So if it heats up just a little too much during the day, you're sinking and sliding, right? Like, so you can just be out, like I've done 120 mile fat bike races that are ludicrous and have had to, you're going like a mile an hour because the snow has now, you know, started to, started to soften and you can't make any forward progress. So um, it can be magical or miserable just depending on the situation. Uh, yeah. 120 so, miles. I did a 120 mile fat bike race, yes. Uh, a lot of it was ripping fast. It was ridiculously fast. It came back, it came down to a sprint finish. I kid you not. Um, because the ground was really frozen and there wasn't, like, it was, it was insane. I've never done anything like it. I was so emptied out at the end of that race. I literally, I went into the, um, there were five guys and me at the end and two that I thought were my friends. One of them looks at the other and says, do you think she could win this thing? And the other says, I do think she could win this thing. And the one that asked the question initially just drilled it to drop me. So I get popped off the back with, with literally 17 miles to go. And I'm like, oh, my friends. Um, they shelled another guy. We worked together. But the two that were in the front, it was, a, it was a sprint finish. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like these guys with bar mitts. And the whole thing, like sprinting on fat bikes for a finish line. It was, uh, yeah, it was hard. Anyway, I, I got done and I grabbed some ramen soup and I crawled into the uh, restroom that was uh, covered and I turned on all the dryers, the hand dryers, and I sat oh. underneath them. Yes. And I just sat that underneath them. Thank you. Eating my soup <laughs> until the life started to come back into me. Um, yes. So, Yeah. Uh, winter riding. And the other, before I ask my question of you, Nathan was wondering, while I do all these antics, like, how do, what do you do to protect your skin? So he's like, yeah. in, win in winter, you know, his skin gets all itchy and dry, and his uh, legs take a long time to warm up, and does embrocation work, and all that stuff. So, yes, I am a big fan of embrocation. Um, I will say that if you're going to try it, please, please, please try medium first, because... <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I don't know your experience, but no, I... No, no, start with mild. Oh, oh, okay, fair, fair, even better. Yes, Patrick is right. Start with mild, because who knows what medium, somebody's medium is somebody's caliente. Um, I put on a hot uh, Embro, this was maybe two years ago. I got done with the ride, and I thought, I honestly, and I'm not, I, I, I am hyperbolic sometimes, I'm not now. I thought I was going to go to the emergency room. It was like two hours and my legs were starting to almost welt. They were pink, and I thought they were going to welt. And I th it was almost like chemical burn. They hurt. Oh, yeah. I went into the tub and poured milk down my legs. I was just like, I'll do anything. And it, eventually it got okay, but right. for a long time it was not okay. So they work, I mean, but they have capsaicin. They have things in them that you know, increase your circulation. You rub them on so it loosens up your muscles, but you have to be super smart about it. You have to start with something... When it says hot, it means hot, and it can be if your skin doesn't react to it, especially if your skin is dry or whatever, and it just, like, soaks in there. Because they have, like, beeswax and all kinds of stuff on them. Great for your skin, yeah. nice balms, but it also means that stuff is stuck on your legs. Like, it's not easy to get off. No, no, uh, not at all. Yeah. Uh, 
So Matt Alchemy, I, I think there are others who do this, but Matt Alchemy is kind of my go-to because Pete is such a genius with his embros. He does some unheated embros. Oh yeah, I have so, a couple of those. Right, so, it's just a protective you know, In terms barrier. of just, yeah. yeah. So if you just want to kind of take care of your skin off the bike, embrocation is great for that. Right. One of the things to be careful of, though, where embrocation is concerned, aside from the heat itself, is, of course, where you apply it. And I'm not talking about don't get it on your junk, but, of <laughs> course, don't get it on your junk. Or your uh, eyes. This yeah. is not for your face. I use a little almond oil on my face, but... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Aquaphor works well too. But anyway, where, but what anything, are you talking about? Well, anything that has elastic stretch in it, the capsicum oh. will attack the the lycra or it can wreck your clothes. Or, is what you're saying? Yeah. It can it's stain really them too. Bad. I've seen guys with pretty Some, stains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a really colorful one and it's like light colored clothing, yeah, you'll get you'll get some discoloration that is nigh on impossible to get back out yeah sure but the big thing is you know like so when i when i'm wearing it on my legs unless it's just a really dreadful day mm-hmm. i start just below my grippers on my bib shorts hmm. if it's a really really bad day uh and i i'm pulling out all the stops so to speak i'll put it on my legs um so i'll pull i'll pull on my bib shorts first I'll pull the legs up, then I put it on my legs as high as I'm going to go, and then I pull on knee warmers or leg warmers because I'm more willing to sacrifice those in the long term than I am a good pair of bib shorts. Hmm. And if I need to go embro all the way up to the top of my thigh, it's probably cold enough that I still want something else. Uh, I can remember a, a day in France where it was snowing high up in the mountains and I you know, it was like all my base layers, arm warmers, my vest, uh, jersey, leg warmers, ambro, you know, my bibs. It, it was just, it was everything I could come up with. Yeah. And it was July. You know? <laughs> it was July. Yeah. yeah. It can be that way. Do you yeah. do any uh, single speeding? I'm just curious. I I do not. This would be an occasion where if we could have, you know, worked this far enough in advance, we should have gotten Eldon to come back on. Fatty is an avid single speeder. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And uh, he told me a story on an earlier episode of The Pace Line where he went rigid. rigid, I forget what the race was. Fully rigid. Rear and front and single speeded. And he said his wrists have never been the same. It was a mountain bike. Oh, I don't doubt that. You can you can do some nerve damage, like, and that that take, that takes years, like years to if it if it comes back at all. Like that's insane. I have a friend who does yeah. that. He, he his retinas detached. I mean, that's like almost a joke, but it's not a hmm. joke. Yes, yes. And I'm like, you know, they invented a for like suspension forks for a reason. Like it's especially where we ride here. It's insane. It's insanity. I yeah. think that you like they're not that hard to maintain. They work like <laughs> a little, you know, I get the like do the single speed thing, whatever. But oh, my God. Yeah, I, I can't. even. Yeah, I'm just so hardwired for the contemporary. 
I mean, when I was doing my graduate work, I took contemporary poetry, I took contemporary fiction, Mm -hmm. I took contemporary drama. Uh, I like stuff that is up to date. (laughs) I like technology. And so, yeah, I like derailers. I like disc brakes. I like suspension. I like the new tires. Uh, Honestly, if I was still living in Memphis, I would probably have a single speed bike because it would be pretty easy to figure out the right gear for single speeding on that terrain. And I could see it being a whole lot of fun. I mean, cause you know, you, you can lose a couple of pounds off a bike. Oh, they're uh, so light. My, my single, I have a single speed, uh, crave, uh, that uh-huh. I, that I covered the sea up and I call it the rave, but it is, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a joy. Like on the right terrain, I took it to Alaska for the single speed races up there. And it's a joy on those flow trails. It uh-huh. is, it's like, it's six, 18 pounds or something. Like it's so whippy and fun. It's really, really, really fun. It's, yeah, um, I can appreciate that. Yeah, like a long climb. It's, you know, it, 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 of course, on the wrong train, it's kind of a drag. But it's, they do. It's surprising. Like some of my best times have been on that thing because you don't have a choice. Like on my, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you, you're yeah. in a gear and you've got to get up the hill, right? Like so, yep. um, unless it's so steep that you're walking, like, you can you can get up a lot of climbs pretty quickly because you really actually just don't have a choice. You're just out of the saddle and um, working your way up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to surprise anybody that you know the guy who's busy touting the wonders of subcompact cranks and his love of front derailers and you know doesn't want to ride one by is maybe not a guy who owns a single speed. <laughs> right. Fair. That's uh, if those are yeah those are all fair points, but uh, yeah I just yeah. I, yeah I didn't think anybody was gonna be surprised when I said no don't have a single speed, I I'm just I'm not against it. I, the funny thing to me is you know it it's popular around here with guys I know. I go to the Wente eight hour race uh, up in Mendocino County, and there there's a single speed category there. I cannot figure it out. There aren't that many really steep climbs. There's one good long climb. The rest of the course I can kind of see. Yeah, you'd be able to single speed that pretty well. But there's well, Elvin this one does climb. Leadville on it. Like and that yeah. makes no sense. It's like the worst course in the world for it. Like you're saying with these climbs, like it's the worst course in the world because you're either like re- those climbs are stupid steep, or you're on flats mm-hmm. trying to work with a bunch of people, and I don't know how you do that on a single speed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, one of the other things on my mind is I don't want to ever go to a race and feel like I don't have the right equipment for today. Well, I mean, that, you know, it's one thing to like yeah. miss a tire choice and go, mm, okay, well, all right, that's how that went. But to feel like I should have had completely different gearing or been on a completely different bike, I don't, I don't want that experience. That's why you race the single that. speed category. Yeah. And see, then everybody like asks, what gear are you running? What gear are you running? What gear are you running? And they squeeze your tires. What's your tire pressure? What gear are you running? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's enough around here just to describe, uh, just to uh, discuss tire choice and tire pressure for a week prior to the event. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. oh, good stuff. So, what do you yeah. have on top? Um. Well, speaking of winter, I want to talk about one of the side effects if you will side effects of winter oh rain 
Yeah. Yes. For you guys, particularly. Rain in the summer, you know, for most folks, taint no thing. Rain in the winter, mm. as you just noted. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've, the rain season has started for us. And there's going to be, I think, a fair amount of rain this winter here in Northern California. <laughs> I'm less than enthused. If we get too much rain, the problem there, I mean, everyone says, oh, you got a drought, you know, great, you know, lots of rain, yay. Well, if we get too much rain, then we get incredible understory growth, uh, which includes poison oak, <clears throat> which will burn nicely next October. Uh, right. What I really want to ride as much as possible, you know, while it's rain, uh, while it's raining. I mm-hmm. want to get out there. I want to be able to log my miles. The big challenge for many riders, uh, you know, talking about this with my friends, comes down to heading out in the rain. Right. Not getting caught in the rain like I did today, but going yeah. soldiering out when it is already raining. Those are two different right? things. Yep. Yeah. And I know so many people who are like, yeah, if I get caught, so be it. But it's really hard to leave a warm home when it's raining. Uh, here's what's getting me out the door. If the rain isn't too heavy, mm-hmm. I'm wearing thermal bibs or thermal tights, uh, thermal bibs with leg warmers that have water repelling treatment. Not a DWR, but like uh, Castelli's Nano, mm-hmm. uh, Giordana has a finish that they're doing. Pearl Izumi has PI Dry. Yep. Sportful has one. Uh, they're all doing thermal garments, you know, and it's not DWR that's going to wear off. Right. This isn't true waterproofing, of course, but it does a nice job of causing the water to beat up and run off the garment. I was, I experienced this just Tuesday, headed out in the rain, Pearl Izumi tights, PI dry, and the guys were looking at my tights going, what's going on with that? Just watching water run down the tights and not soak in. It was really helpful Uh, so that's made a huge difference on the lower half of my body on top i'm doing classic waterproof rain jackets or waterproof jerseys like castelli's gaba and Mm -hmm. profetto yep truly i'm a bigger fan of waterproof jerseys because i can get to the pockets yeah the other thing i'm noticing is that i'm dressing not like it's five degrees cooler than if it was dry I'm dressing like it was 10 degrees cooler. Mm -hmm. Now, on the subject fenders, I'll say that I don't know too many people who have a rain bike, though that gets an exception for everyone I know in the Pacific Northwest. They all seem to have one. And that's where this next piece of wisdom came from, a friend in the Pacific Northwest. When I do a ride with others, and I know it's going to be raining, I go for the longest fenders I have, which came from SKS. Uh, those little butt protectors that people put under their saddles. Yep. Those are great if you don't want to turn your chamois into a sponge. Right, right. But they do nothing. No. And I mean nothing for the rider behind you. So there's there's that to consider. You do know, you have one you in the front, too? Uh, I only ask because I get so much spray in my face and I keep forgetting to put one in the front of my... I could really use one in the front of my bike. Yeah, so these SKS, uh, and I'll talk about them more in my pull, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't do a lot in terms of extending forward. They, there is a front one, and I think it helps a lot. You know, It's still not quite as much as a classic full fender. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does more in back than in front. Right. And that's 
that's true for both the front and the rear. Um, yeah, you know, depending on the bike design and, you know, kind of just how wet it is, it can be tough to tell how much fender you need to keep from getting it in your face. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. On to feet. Uh, mm, very important. You know, I, I do what I can, but at a certain point, I just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just accept that I'm probably going to get, you know, some wet feet out of the deal. Um, I've been reviewing, uh, writing and working on a review of some winter shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got waterproof socks mm-hmm. and I've got so many different kind of booties. It's just not even funny. What do you think about Seal- the waterproof socks? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you like them? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they yeah. kind of weird on your feet? A little. Okay. A I little. find it, I haven't gotten to I have a pair and I just they, they feel so plasticky. I can't get past it yet. Maybe I should put them on well, and try it. We might need to talk about just which ones you have cuz okay. they're not all created equal. So, I've got the the thinnest ones I've got from Seal Skins will fit inside a loose-ish shoe. Okay. Uh, the thickest ones I've got from Seal Skins really don't fit inside anything I own. They're so I'm, thick. I'm thinking mine not fit inside anything either. Like, they're plasticky and they're so thick, I don't... Th- that causes yeah. its other problems. And your feet are, like, circulation's dead and now they're cold. Yeah, handy yeah. thing, that, huh? Right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was just curious about that. But you have yeah. your um, shoes. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the Northwave Extreme RR2 GTX. I like those. I, I don't... Yeah, yeah. Um, I hate the name, but the shoe the shoe is pretty incredible. It's got a gore membrane in it mm-hmm. that make them much more water resistant than your average shoe. Yep. And then there's this ankle cuff of neoprene that does a really great job of you know keeping most stuff out. Yeah. Like I said, I'll have a, a full review of them coming sometime, uh, either here or on RKP. Um, the simplest thing. And most effective answer on dry feet I've found is a product that's local to me, Velotoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's V-E-L-O-T-O-Z-E. They are, <laughs> honestly, a condom for your feet. Yep. The, the Over your shoes. Is, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, unless you are super careful with them, they are pretty much single use. And I've heard a lot of pushback from people that they don't like blowing $20 for a single ride. I have managed, you have to be very careful, and they are yep. tight. I mean, they're hard to get over your shoes. Yep. I, you also need to make sure that you don't end up having water running into them, so then you have water balloons on your feet, because um, <laughs> yeah. I have done that by applying them incorrectly. Uh, yes, because if you get water in there, they be, become kind of like water balloons. Uh, I could see that happening if you get, yeah, if you get it wrong and it's wet enough. Yeah. Um, no, it was wet yeah. enough. It was torrential. Um, but yeah, they are super, super effective otherwise. And they're also quite uh, high vis. They can, they come in some nice high vis colors. The Velotoes do. My final little piece of my overall rain riding strategy is a waterproof cycling cap beneath my helmet and no glasses. I just get rid of glasses. Uh, having the bill down on the cycling cap, if I just tilt my head right, I won't get any any back spray into my eyes. 
it's a little different. I have to hold my head a little different spot if I'm getting stuff coming up off the front tire. But that's not usually uh, a bigger a big problem for my face. Right, you right. Know, usually yeah. spray off the tires, hitting my knees, that sort of thing. Rain caps are cool. I'm surprised more people don't talk about them. Like they are like, it, it's like, oh, do I need to invest in a rain cap? But once you have one, you appreciate like, if you ride in the rain a lot, yeah. it's totally worth it. 20 yeah. bucks well and I mean, spent. Right. And one of the things is like, there are, there are a few of them out there that are really incredible and they're not getting any sort of marketing push whatsoever. Yeah. There are definitely some great options out there, uh, you know, to help people be more comfortable in a circumstance where it's just kind of inherently uncomfortable. I'm only smiling because 60 degrees is sounds so balmy. <laughs> it's all, yeah. It, it's all yeah. different. It's different. I have I'm, also, I'm I have a very, squishy. I have very thick hair and that, that, um, that keeps my head warmer too. So, you know, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a difference. It really oh, yeah. does. Yeah, it does for sure. <laughs> so long as it doesn't get completely wet. That is a thing too. Yes. <laughs> and get matted with mud and those all kinds of things that, that that's another right. topic for another time. I cool. was once a long hair. So, so, is, <laughs> so are you going to ride more in the rain? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I just have to be careful about it. I mean, a couple of years ago during El Nino, I went out for a five-hour base miles ride in the rain, started in the rain, finished in the rain, mm-hmm. d- hung the bike up, didn't look at it for two weeks. Uh, drive side bottom bracket bearing was seized. Yep. Drive side <laughs> pedal was seized. So Yeah, that's the thing. Right. And I think that you can also, well, maybe not so much where... Where you are, but maybe. I mean, if it's raining and it's in the 50s, that still can be bad territory. But what I have learned um, the hard way a few times is that if you're going to go out and, you know, be a soldier and do some base miles in weather that is either fairly cold or like you're talking about, like, uh, you know, those middling temperatures where it's raining – I would advise doing a like clover leafing for your rides instead of doing a giant loop, you know, because mm. I have gotten in trouble a couple times where I'm 35 miles, the lo- you know, the longest point out and things get bad. And now all of a sudden you've got at least two hours, depending what the terrain is to, to you know, to get back if it's 40 miles. It, you can just get yourself in more trouble as opposed to like we do, I, I would rather do like like a little 10 mile loop and then just do it, do some sort of configuration. So you're never that far from home, right. Or far from from something it's, it makes Uh it, um, you know, the downside of that is like, it's harder to stay out when you're like, Oh, I could just turn left and be home in 10 minutes. But, um, it is, Mm -hmm. it is, it's just like a little safety thing. Like if, if, if it is truly like adverse conditions, I just think it's a safer way to go. That's smart. I hadn't considered that. Uh, it would take a little strategy on my part. Maybe I'd do clover leaves from the western side of town. I'd get to the west side of town right. and do my my little loops. Because doing a bunch of loops through town, no, that doesn't. Yeah, sound, I'm not yeah. going to dig that. No, we just have a lot of back roads here, so it's it's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, I, I've just I've just started to do that because it's just. I just, it's just better because we've, we've had some, we've had some situations where I was like, oh, this isn't great. And, you know, if you're not, if you don't have cell service, you can't exactly easily call uh, for someone to come pick you up either. 
Yeah. 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 I'm about to change my cell carrier once I finish off my plan because it, there's just, yeah, my plan does nothing out in West County. <laughs> yeah. Well. So, uh, all right. Paceline picks. Cool. Yeah, totally different. Well, that's yeah, maybe a different way, but maybe not. Uh, I used it today when I got back from my 39 degree pouring rain ride. Um, mine is the Blend Tech Total Blender. Uh, kind of left field Ooh. pick, but I uh, I'm not a smoothie person. Like I I kind of I do like to chew my food. I'm not a giant smoothie fan, but uh, this thing. I roasted a butternut squash and some sweet onions, and you can put the whole thing in the blender, and there's a soup button. So it makes the, it, you have hot soup. Like, it blends the thing so ferociously <laughs> that it's actually steaming hot. Yes, it is. A, a, it's, Blades it's the, make it warm? The agitation, it, yes, makes, wow. it is literally, I kid you not, it is steaming. Um, and it's, it's in, in 65, 70 seconds. It's no time. It's amazing. So like today I'm just like into the thing, hit soup. And I had like this amazing, beautiful hot soup, uh, within two minutes of walking in the door, which was phenomenal. It's amazing. It's not a cheap device. Um, it's, you know, it's commercial grade. I got it for a gift years ago. Yeah, so it's probably in the range of $400. You can usually get them, uh, you can get them refurbished. You can get them other places, but they have an eight year wow. warranty on them. And they, okay. they, I make nut butter. I mean, it's one of those machines. They ha- they used to have a YouTube channel, like, uh, will it blend it? It blends everything. They threw like cell phones in there, you know, they like just dumb stuff <laughs> and it would just blend it. So they, they are very rugged, but I do, I threw, I just get like, I buy cheap, like bags of nuts and I just make my own nut butter out of it. It's and huh. it's delicious and easy and huge fan. I mean, like I, I don't, you know, it does do amazing smoothies. It crushes ice really well. I'm just, I'm not a smoothie person, uh, but I've done some of my protein drinks when I, when I do those, just big fan. Uh, if people are looking for, you know, different ways to get uh, nutrition or quick meals, it's totally worth, you know, giving a, giving a shot. Wow, it sounds pretty powerful. That that could be fun. Yeah, it um, is. It is. It is pretty fun. I could see maybe entertaining little boys with that. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't recommend putting the Hot Wheels cars in there, even though you could. Yeah, make Hot Wheels. I'm. Soup. I'm <laughs> no. I'm thinking of actually turning turning foods into other foods. Uh, oh, they would like and, that, and yeah. that kids kids engage for sure. My daughter loves. I mean, she's a little, she's older, but she's totally all about it. And it it gets it does get them eating healthier. Right. Because they're putting like she yeah. puts she puts spinach in it and stuff like stuff that, sh- that I'm just like, wow, OK, like I don't I, I try not to look too like amazed. Right. Right. Because if you look impressed, then right, she'll just stop like a little bit of a sure. poker face. But I'm just like, oh, right. Right on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that is the, uh, the frozen banana. I could go on all day, but it is. That's my pick. And because. I had amazing hot butternut squash soup to feed my cold soul and bring me back um, for lunch. It was, it's worth a pick today. Okay, cool. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, my pick this week uh, are the Race Blade Pro Mm -hmm. XL, another stupidly long name, uh, Mm -hmm. from SKS of Germany. Again, the Race Blade Pro XL. 
These fenders are a little unusual in that they are really easy to mount and remove for those of us who may only ride in the rain occasionally. That's great. The standard, yeah, the standard race blade pro fenders are good for traditional road bikes running up to a tire 25 millimeters in width. The race blade pro XL, XL, right, works with tires up to 32 millimeters in width. Uh, carries that that next tranche of tire widths. Mm-hmm. Though, if you're very very careful uh, and you know willing to be patient while you do this, you can get them to work with 35s. I've done it. Hmm. It was not ideal, but I did manage it. When I'm riding in the rain, I prefer to be on bigger tires so that I get more surface contact, better traction. Right. And if I if I'm going to lose traction, I want a bigger tire patch so that I can have a better chance of controlling the slide. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big deal to me. Uh, the Race Blade Pro are good for that, you know, giving me a chance to run, say, a 32, and offer enough coverage in the rear that anyone riding behind me doesn't end up with sand in their eyes. I can and say they don't that rub? for sure. They don't rub They don't all? rub. Okay. They don't rub. I mean, if I was doing a gravel ride with them, I could see them bumping some. Yeah. But there's enough adjustability in there that you can get them far enough out away from the tire for them not to rub. Cool. Uh, I did several hundred miles in Japan behind my buddy, Eric Smith. Oh, wow. He was using a set. And so I can say, yeah, I didn't get any sand in my eyes when I was following his wheel. Cool. Uh, the other Eric who didn't have any fenders, a little more sand in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little weird that they attach by what are essentially glorified rubber bands. But after the initial setup where you establish the distance from the tire and then the angle to the wheel, they really only take a couple of minutes to mount and just seconds to remove should the day be clear. These are especially great for bikes with disc brakes so that you can run the fender right up to the brake bridge. You can choose three different finishes. There's a gloss black, a matte black, and then a silver. I went with the gloss gloss black Though my buddy Eric Smith had the matte black, which looks pretty darn good on a titanium Mm, bike. I bet. Yeah. They go for $60, and we'll have a link in our show notes. They're really easy to find online. It's definitely my pick for the not permanently set up rain bike fender. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And that's why I just have like, and it is, it's called the ass saver. I just have one of those because it's so easy to clip onto the back of my saddle, right? Yeah. But, um... But they, you're, to your point, they really don't do much except keep me clean. Like if someone's riding yep. behind me, it's not the rooster tail is still shooting up um, behind me. And, but I don't have other ones because they're giant pain. Like I don't want to have fenders on all the time. So I'm curious about Right. It. If it takes a half an hour to put them on. Forget it. And then they're still rubbing because you know, I can't like get them. St- yeah. I mean, some of them are yeah. just insufferable. These things are just dynamite. I I mean, to me, there's no question in my mind that for anybody who doesn't have a rain bike, this is the answer. Right? Right on? It's just that superior to everything else I've tried. Yeah. Cool. So, well, what you got this weekend? Uh, well, there's a little holiday next week, so I am uh, I'm I've been like everybody else probably just working frantically trying to get stuff done so I don't have to work too much on Christmas. Uh it is supposed to be clear this weekend here, uh, so I'm mm. hoping to get out for a couple of those longer base mile rides that we talked about and uh, yep. finish up my shopping, do a little work, uh, 
get some, you know, I don't really make cookies. My daughter makes cookies, so uh, she does that with my mom. We'll go some parties, you know, just that December (laughs) holiday stuff. (laughs) Yourself? Very cool. Uh, uh, Saturday, we do our Christmas tree ride. Uh, A buddy of mine a few years ago plotted out a course that is in the shape of a Christmas tree. Oh. Yeah. It's about 60 miles. Yeah. Did you see that snowman that I posted up? Uh, yes. That is, in, right? That guy, that Anthony Hoyt, if no one looked, I mean, you can go to my Foot Chick Facebook page and check it out, but our bicycling.com has it on too. But this guy, Anthony Hoyt, last year he did a giant snowman. It was 81 miles that he did. I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. Uh, Father Christmas, as this one is titled, uh, was only 41, but it's so intricate. It still took him like almost eight hours to do this thing because it's like the mustache and the eyes and the beard and the hat and the little puff on the hat the whole thing he's uh yeah. i interviewed him for the piece he was really kind of delightful he's he, it's it's such a it's a it's a, just a whole different thing he just looks at maps and tries to find roots like clouds in the, the like shapes of you know what i mean like animals and clouds when you uh-huh, look up uh-huh. and just and goes from there but he does about four a year because it's a mission i mean that just the planning and the riding but it's he, he's won awards they actually have like uh art festivals for these things like competitions so he has won awards um it's really well, he deserves to they're that good it's amazing yeah yeah the tree thing yeah. is cool i i have no that that i mean i i love to look at it i have zero uh interest in doing one myself like this is way more work than i'm willing to do to put did you actually put it together or did other people no 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 my friend okay. ben donahy oh he okay he did uh, he, yeah, he designed it. And I mean, it was one of those things where I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's kind of genius. It's it's pretty rudimentary. It's not like what is this Is it the tree doing. that was up on the last, on our yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's definitely a Christmas tree, though. Yeah. I mean, you can tell it's a tree. Um, it doesn't have right. ornaments all over it or anything. I mean, let's not get crazy, but it is the shape of a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, it's, it's not like, oh, if you hold your head just <laughs> right. right and squint, but... I I have a concern that if I started looking at maps that way, that I would get lost. This wouldn't be a rabbit hole. This would be, <laughs> you know, I don't know the the underground sewer system in it. I wow. just yeah. Okay. I would get lost. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're finally going to do that this weekend on cool. Saturday and. Uh, Sunday it's supposed to rain, so I may be putting a lot of these practices back into use that day. And there you have it. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, you know, we're going to say it again. Uh, we're enjoying, uh, enjoying fielding mm. requests for segments on the show. So if you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. It will be back after the first of the year. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.